You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 20. A special episode for Father's Day in Australia and New Zealand. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back to, to another episode of Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen, and I'm back with my old friend, Chris Field. <laughs> old friend, there you go, straight away. <laughs> right at the head of the program, he's got to insult me. Hi, guys, it's great to be with you again. Okay, so what are we doing today, Chris? Well, we've got a couple of gentlemen with us today, homeschooling dads who have relatively large families by the national averages in the Western world. And we want to talk today about some of the issues and challenges they have as men, as fathers, as wives, in the kind of context that they're living. So relatively, relatively large. It's a little bit of an understatement. Well, yeah, well, let's find out from the guys what they've actually got. Let's introduce them and, find, and ask them themselves. Now, okay. you can do the sums. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll see if I can do the maths. So we've got uh, Rodney Evans. Yep. Welcome to the show, Rod. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And uh, how many kids do you got? I have seven children. Yeah, yeah. From 19 down to... Yes, my oldest son is 19 years of age, and, um, and then I've got, I've got two daughters um, and five boys. Okay. And the youngest is also a boy. He's uh, four years of age. Four years of age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bookends them. Yep. yep. All right. And we've got Mansell Rogerson. Yes. Welcome the, to the show, Mansell. Thank you. Thank you, Guy. Yeah, I'm bringing down the average a little bit. I'm, uh, I have six children with my wife, uh, my lovely wife, Belinda, and uh, ranging in from ages from 12 down to three. Okay. So a little of the younger end of the scale. So between yeah. us, so... Well, boys, we've got seven and then six. I have seven children and you have... I've got nine. Nine. <laughs> so yes, we, we have a winner. <laughs> so so that, that's, that's about 29, isn't it? 29 kids. 29 How's between that? the four of us. So you'd expect we'd have some wisdom after all of that. Well, they can judge that at the end of the show. But uh, okay, so where should we start? Can I ask a question? Oh, you can ask a question. Yeah, because I'm interested. Did you guys actually set out to have as many children as you have? Was there a particular... Like when you were 15, 16-year-old kids, did you actually anticipate having large families? It was not something that I ever contemplated. Um, I must admit, my head, I, when I was a younger man, I had my mind in other places. Probably not where the, the Lord would have wanted me to be. So you would have had maybe two or three kids, maybe? Or... It's not a question I'd really tossed around as a young person. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up... I had. Uh, three other siblings as well um, so we weren't a small family we the six of us there um, oh, my mum also had a miscarriage so, so yeah would have been another yeah. yeah so what about either side of getting married and then you know before you got married and after you get married did you talk about your family certainly sons? yeah um, when sure. we got married I uh, spoke with Cheryl had a um, she, I guess she always had this idea of having you know a number of children but I don't think we ever settled on a, on a number. Well, seven is a number. Seven is definitely a number. Um, it seems like it's settled at the moment. We haven't had any more for, for a while. My youngest is four now, so... Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think... To answer the question in full, I don't think I have. So, Mansell, uh, did you choose to have a large family, like, from early on, or was it something you got to later? Yeah, no, not at all. I had a very similar earlier experience, um, the same as Rod, really. I just never never thought about it, never never entered my mind. And um, even after I got married, um, you know, I th- my wife tells me that um, she asked me how many children... You know, I'd like to have, and I, and I said four. I, I don't actually have a recollection of that, and I don't know why I said that, but, uh, you know, at least that's slightly more than average. Uh, but it was only really until um, uh, my first daughter was born, and that 
changed me you know within a few hours I just saw how precious children are and from that time on I think I was yeah really really uh, wanting God to to give us more children wow that's wonderful yeah well I actually um, when I got married expected to have seven children and uh, I don't know why it was just the number that was in my head and so when we when we got to seven I thought well there you go I've actually finally got there Amory and I talked about it after we after we got married should have been before but it was afterwards and she wanted four and I wanted two. My wife, Emery and I were both one of two in our families and I thought, well, you know, two worked out okay and she wanted four, so we settled, we thought we'd probably have three. Right. <laughs> well, you did. Well, three. We did. Three lots of three. Three lots of three. So, you know, it's funny how things, things work out. Mm. Yeah. So having families and then having the babies come along, as you say, Mansell, it was obviously really a delight to hold your first baby and everything else. Mm. But how prepared do you guys feel you really were for actually being dads? Yeah, not not at all. I mean, I didn't even think think of preparing or needing to be prepared. Um, I thought it would just all work out and come naturally. But um, with a few more years of wisdom, I, uh, I I wish I'd been more prepared. But I was blessed by um, you know finding some resources early on that that really helped me. Yeah. So you stepped into it really sight unseen, not really knowing what you're in for. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, yeah, right? Yeah, the same. In fact, I look back at it now and I think I wasn't even prepared to get married. I had I had the want to be married. I'd gotten to know Cheryl over a few years um, and I had that desire. But once we were actually married, I realised, you know, I know nothing about what it takes to be a mm. husband. Mm. And I look back, I look back at my dad you know, and then that's that's the obvious um, case that we have behind us to look. You know what 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 did Dad do? Um, but in a lot of regards, um, although I had a great relationship with my dad before he died, um, there's there was years of antagonist antagonistic um, times between my father and all of us children. Um, dad was actually an alcoholic, um, but he ended up not being an. He he got off that. And he got. Uh, over that at the end of his life there last 10 years of his life um, but with that just came so much baggage um, and so many harder times for the family to go through uh, my oldest brother left home after one particularly violent night between he and dad and so you know I look back at that and, and it wasn't it's not what you'd be looking for in the future it's not you you'd be looking at it going well there's a great role model to base on, you know, to what to be a father. I had to be a father and a, and a, a husband, first of all. I think, yeah. though, that what you guys have described is pretty normal in the Western world, mm. Guy, wouldn't it? For most people oh, yeah. would not really be prepared for what they're and, in. And having most most men have poor role models. You know, we've, we've discovered that with, with many of the men that we've talked to, mm. that uh, most of us have poor role models of what actually it means to be a father and a husband, and even just what it means to be a man. Okay, we, don't, so we don't have those role models, and so, and so that, and that's part of what Real Men Twenty Four Seven is all about. So the, I guess the question is, what are you going to ask? Well, the question is, how do you get, how do you get from having a poor, how, how do you go from having a poor role model and having no manual on how to be a father and a dad? How do you get get from there to becoming? The no, terrific, terrific is, father and, and this, husbands like these men are now. No, the, see what my real question is. My question is, where is it broken? Where is our Western... I mean, our Western society seems to have men such as us right across it. So what's wrong? Where did we actually go wrong? What's broken in our, in our culture? That we have men who enter into adulthood, enter into marriage, enter into parenting, 
with very little real uh, preparation for what they're in for. Well, it's it's just not it's just not valued. Mm. Being a, a man and a father and a husband isn't valued at, at an early enough stage in our life, and and we've got. We're missing communities. I mean, I think it was was it Jack Thurston that talked about that, or maybe it was was, was Darren Lewis. How we're missing we're missing those communities where previously, you know, the dad is off at work, but there's an uncle or there's someone around who can still be a role model for uh, for us young men when we're growing up. But with the changes in society and there's there's multiple reasons for it, we we don't have the role models or we have poor role models. And where do we get that learning from? It certainly doesn't come through the schools. It's not something which is which is valued in schools about how to be a father and how to be a mother, and because the society wants husbands, wants men and women to go out into the workforce and to pay taxes and to keep the society growing, not to uh, not to be uh, training children. They want the children to go off and to be in the in the daycares and the schools, and so we miss we miss out on having those role models. Well, now, Rod, you said that you thought instinctively back to your dad when you realised your lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. So Mansell, where do you see your mindset having come from? Would you blame your dad for having set you up to be the kind of man you started out to be in marriage? Or do you think the society more in general? Uh, I'd certainly say the society more in general. Uh, I mean, I came from a very typical middle class upbringing. Um, you know, my parents weren't perfect, but they, they did try hard and, um, you know, I think brought us up as well as as well as they knew how. how. Uh, they were nominal Christians, which sort of complicated matters. So we didn't really have, um, you know, much biblical input uh, when we were young, which probably held us back back a bit. Um, so where was your heart and mind focused? Career, income? What, what was the sort of stuff you'd been, the culture had targeted you for? Yeah, I, I suppose it was largely from influence from schools um, and peers around me. And I, I, as far as I can remember, I think, yeah, it was it was basically career and money that, that, that drove me at the, those times. I didn't think about relationships at all, which, uh, yeah, it was, was, was missing out on a bit and a bit sad, really. But you did mention earlier something about resources that helped you early on. That, what that, in the world was that? What yeah, that was after I got married, actually, and yeah. uh, the instigation of my wife, because, um, you know, we I had problems in marriage. By your wife. <laughs> in a good way, no, it, it was it was the best thing. So the yeah. subtle thing of putting a, a, a dad book or a husband book on you beside your bed. Literally, that was true. Actually, yeah. yeah. So so she did me a great favour there. Where I mean, women often are a lot more sensitive about these things, and that and that's a great blessing to us. Mm-hmm. So so she did give give me some books. I didn't really read them very much, but, but what I do remember. Um, there was a course called the Marriage Course, in, and we were in the UK at the time. It was run there, and we went along to that, and that just asked questions that I'd never even thought of asking, and really helpful material. It's really basic stuff, but really, really helpful. Yeah. So even though it was basic, it was basis you hadn't covered. Exactly. Yeah, and um, yeah, it would be great if you know that sort of stuff was taught in schools uh, more generally, or you know, or par- but parents can teach that to their children, and that's what what I'm trying to do now yeah, with yeah. our kids. Yeah. Yeah. But you think you would have been ready for it when you were at school because you're thinking about you're thinking about girls and you're thinking about university you're thinking about jobs and making money and doing sport do you think you'd be ready for that sort of training when you're in school I don't know for sure uh, but maybe the reason I was thinking about you know career and money and all of that is because that's really all I'd been told was important if mm-hmm. if if the if there'd been other priorities and other foci on at school, then um, yeah, I could well have 
value that more, I think. Mm. Well, that sounds like Belinda did you an enormous benefit by getting you on that track. Mm. Right, what in the world helped you along? Uh, or do you still need some help? Oh, we all need help, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Probably me more than most. I'll take the front of the queue. Um, I guess our marriage actually probably reached a crisis point, um, probably about four years into our marriage. Um, Cheryl really wanted to have some children. Um, she'd been told by the doctors it's probably not going to happen. Um, actually told by three different doctors it's not going to happen. So. Wow. Yeah, the Lord answers there. He, he's the he's the one that writes the final chapters mm-hmm. on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd had a complicated medical background um, in her teens, which had the, led the doctors to say that. So she she actually got depression. Um, I was working anywhere between seventy and eighty hours a week. Wow. Not home. Um, ignorantly going on, thinking, oh, you know, things are great. You know, this is. This is how you do life. Um, and then it, it all imploded. And so, of course, crisis can be one of the greatest things to spur you into action. Um, we started dealing with things that we should have been dealing with. Um, and where did you go? Psychologists or your pastor at church or books or courses? What did you actually draw on? The two, I didn't go and see psychologists um, the two main things would have to be um, my in-laws um, were fantastic during that time I, speaking of role models I look at them and I think that's the kind of thing you know I mean, like you're mm. starting a new family and you want the council but you, you you also want to start this new family and be you know a bit independent a bit, a bit of, independent a, exactly a bit of a balance yeah it? and you yeah. don't want them speaking into your life and, and you know, causing you to do things because you think that you have to uh, you, you want to have there's a that. stereotype about mothers mothers and yeah. for a reason <laughs> exactly we have never right. done a program on mothers <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we ever will just for the record I had a good mother-in-law yeah, yeah, well, yeah I, I too I'd have to agree yeah and so both of them are fantastic um and like anyone, they've gone through their own issues. And and they would have understood your wife very well from her teenage experience and everything else, so they could have yeah. spoken into that. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other resources then that actually sort of came into play? Um, I guess the church family got around us as well. We, we were going to church at that time. Um, I have been since I was 16, 17. So, yeah, um, so a lot of church members were, were really good. Helping us out. Doing and how long did it take to kind of feel like things had kind of got back on their feet again? Was it a two-year kind of thing? Or? It would have at least been two years. Okay. Um, so no overnight wonder? Definitely not, no. In fact, she went in, She got depression twice. Um, and both times I was encouraged to just be with her and read the Word of God to her. Um, and she said to me, probably no more than a year ago, you know, I think it was you sitting beside me, praying and reading the Word of God that brought me out of that depression. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. So we, we would spend many nights just lying on the bed and I'd be reading scriptures, and not any particular scriptures, just reading the scriptures. And we'd pray together, yeah, um, things like that. Uh, things things got better. Um, she fell pregnant, we had a child. Um, and we were just going along that, I guess the, the same track everyone else goes along. I'm going to put the kids in school because we obviously, I think you mentioned at the start of the show, we're, we're here at a homeschooling um, gathering. Um, no, we didn't mention that. But oh, we, we didn't. All right, I but just we mentioned will, that. But we will now. <laughs> so if you hear some kids in the background, we're at a yeah. homeschooling conference. Sorry, we probably talked about that before we started. I think we, 
Um, so yeah, we watched this video and the whole video, I don't push the whole video, but it was by a guy called Ken Ham. Um, and it was called Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World was the title of that video. And like Mansell, it just got me thinking about things I'd never contemplated before. Mm. How, you know, we're, we're wanting to be salt and light in a world that so desperately needs that. And but we're, here we are as this contaminated, he pictured it as us as contaminated salt. We've got so much of the world in us that we've just become contaminated, um, which is straight out of that scripture that Jesus spoke about. Yeah. And so that got me thinking about what, raising children to, to honour the Lord. <clears throat> I'm picking up something though that both of you referred to, and I think there's probably something really in this. You both talked about the fact that you needed new input from outside to get you to think about things that should have been obvious and you should have thought about. So mm. maybe that's part of the problem for men today is that they end up living in their own little cocoon, their own little world, what the media tells them, what their mates tell them, what their family taught them, and they really need that injection of mm. stimulating ideas and ex mind-expanding uh, thought processes to see things or ask questions they never asked to reinterpret the world in which they, they mm. live. I'm, I'm sure yeah, you've to, had that. Yeah, to think, to think differently. Uh, yeah, for us it was it was a different course. It was the it was the years I was growing kids God's yeah. way that really set us on a path to think differently about about how we're going to raise our children and and uh, and it was very practical help right from the start. Our oldest one was not sleeping at all. She was we were having it was a nightmare. I was off at work and my wife was tired yeah. and it was disastrous. But once we started putting a few things in place that we'd we'd learned on the on a baby-wise type of course, yep. we had a sleeping through the night in a few weeks, and and it made a big difference, you know. And so, these we we tend to just think, oh, we can just go with the flow, and we'll just work it out as we go along. But we do need injection of new ideas, even just to make us think and to challenge our existing ideas. Mm. Well, you think about even the most successful and maybe wealthy people in the world, like the tennis pros, sports heroes, will very often have a personal trainer, coach, yep. uh, mm. manager who is on their case on a daily basis, helping them keep their game right at the top or get them over hurdles. And yet the rest of us go through life as if, ah, she'll be right, yeah, yeah. we'll figure it out ourselves, you know? And we don't. Yeah. We stumble and, and, and along. Yeah, yeah well, that, that coaching idea is, is, is a good one, actually. And, and you know, the coaching profession, and especially in a business sense, is supposed to be the second largest growing profession at the moment. And uh, and we talk and we know about people in the corporate world are starting to demand coaches for their careers. It makes sense for other areas of our life. If we want to be the best of the best at whatever we're putting our hands to, our minds to, whether it's you know in sports, we as you said, it's obvious that you need a coach to be the best of the best. We don't think that we need that when we're when we're married and how in order to help us through through marriage or with our kids or. And we miss that from not having that community around us. Previously, we'd have the older men around, you know, with their grey hair and their grey beard. Now, 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 you just looked at me when you said that. <laughs> to, you've been sensitive. <laughs> to, impart, to impart their wisdom. You know, previously we'd call them mentors, I suppose, and that's, that's partly it. But So we're missing that coaching just in, just in the basics of life because we don't have that community. Yeah. Okay, guys, so you're in the situation now where you know that you stumbled into marriage and parenting without proper preparation. What are you doing for your kids that you wish had been done to you when you were in their situation? How are you changing the next generation? Ansel? Yeah, well, spending time, more personal quality time with each child. Um, I've 
put into practice. I go to breakfast uh, once a week with each child um, uh, on a rotating basis and just speak with them about what's troubling them at the time or any issues that I can see, I, I bring it up with them. Um, so that's something I'm doing totally different to how I was brought up, mm, but I think, um, yeah, it really builds more of a relationship. Where did you get that idea from? What actually got that one into your program? Ah, it's a good question. Somebody did say that he was doing it with his children. I forget who it was, and I thought, wow, that's 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 a great idea. I'll mm. I'll, I'll put that into practice as well, and uh, and I did. So again, it was a recommendation from outside. Yeah. Mm. And did you go, see any difference in the way the kids relate to you, or anything at all that came more directly out of you doing that? Can you measure? Yeah, well, they certainly really enjoy that time um, with their father, uh, so that's you know in itself great to see. Um, we have been able to talk about things uh, because you know, when you're in a house with six kids, you can't really have private time with with one child individually. It's a bit difficult. So going out and, and having that private time where you can talk about you know things that that are a little bit difficult to talk about, you know, behavioural issues and how they're feeling and things like that without without the the other kids uh, butting in, uh, so yeah, I've, I, I've I've been able to resolve a lot of situations that I think would be a lot harder otherwise. So. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So it was there was Darren Lewis who told us in the previous podcast from a few weeks back. He said he really hammered home about that having that one on one time mm-hmm. with uh, with the child, and and you've been managed you've managed to do that with with six kids. So if you've got two or three, you've got no ex- no excuses. <laughs> you can find the time to have one on one on one time. I know I struggle mm-hmm. with it, but it can be done. Rod, do you? Is that something that's been important for you and for your family? Absolutely, yeah. Um, very similar to Mansell, actually. Um, other end of the day, um, but there's one step before that which I've come to realise is, is so vitally important, and that's time with my wife Um, because time with my wife and being one with her has a massive effect on how the children are going they just they just need to know that mum and dad are on the right path Mm -hmm. and they look and they oh yeah everything's right with the world when mum and dad are right the younger ones everything's right in the world and I once again I look back at my mum and dad and I think well, especially in, you know when, when that got past that crisis time, I realised there's just so many answers that I didn't have for questions that pertain to the basics of marriage. And so when I think back, I would have been almost too afraid to ask Dad some of those questions. Mm. Our relationship wasn't, wasn't, wasn't right, that mm. I was, you know, one, willing to go and ask him. I would have probably, if I had questions like that, I would have asked my mates at school. Um, or whatever other source that's out there, um, rather than going to my dad to get stuff. And I, I can't say that how he would have answered because I never actually went down that track with him. And you feel you've got that better relationship with your kids? That's one of the things I've... It's been right at the forefront of my thinking about that um, for my children, is to be really there and open when they're asking questions. Obviously, there's a... There's a variance in how you answer questions from a four-year-old to a 19-year-old. Um, and so some wisdom is required in in how you answer. Um, yeah, those, those little ones don't need the details of how to answer mm-hmm. a, you know, a larger but question. But you said at the end of the day, so how do you build your time in? After dinner or something, do you? Yes. Um, this is once again where my wife has been fantastic. Um, she makes sure that that time is available. So I, there's, we've got a, a spare room. Uh, a rumpus room where I can just go off and we just sit and chat um, take a cuppa up there with the older ones or just 
sometimes I just take some books and we read together and then we just chat and talk and um, and it is yeah one on one um, and just like Mansell so you you get to the heart sometimes of of some things that you really didn't know were under the surface there um, because you've got that time and there and they start expressing things or you you like Mansell you notice things that are going on sometimes but you didn't realise just how deep it ran until you start talking uh, so that that it's been vital but that like I said that has ju- that has come off the the time that I spend with my wife I've We've been rather selfish with our Fridays. Friday night is date night. Um, all the kids know that. All of our friends know that. <laughs> um, we spend Friday night together. Uh, yeah, we spend it together. Um, yeah. Doesn't doesn't have to be going out. Sometimes we're just at home. Well, guys, into a date night thing. You're a Saturday night. So yeah, look, but it started it started very simply. We caught onto the idea again. It was from the ESO's course about having couch time. So when I came home from work, then we we got the children used to the idea that that mum and dad would sit down with a cup of tea and would spend 10 or 15 minutes and we'd just sit and chat and we weren't to be interrupted. It was just that time just to just to catch just to catch up. And so we tried to make a habit of doing that every night. And so that really set the scene for us. You know, when we just had one or two kids, it was it was easier to put the kids to bed and then we could have some time together in the evenings. But uh, having the couch time actually set up the discipline to be able to do it when it was actually a bit harder. And so now that we've got more kids and we've got kids who are staying up late and, mm-hmm. and whatever else, now we, you know, now they all know that mum and dad have a date night. And I really noticed a big difference in my wife if we have to miss that for a, a week or two. Mm. It really affects her. Not, you know, not in a way that she's really conscious of, but I notice it. It's a it's a really important time, and you know we do I do a similar thing with my with my kids. So, you know we have a we have a rotating. They get frustrated because it doesn't come around until every ten weeks because. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you know, I need to I need to really work on that and do some other things as well. So, um, but they really appreciate having that time where they're singled out. They choose a special food and a special drink for uh, for their night. And we except I don't do it one on one. We do it, Emery and I do it together with them. Yeah. And yeah, they choose something special, and we we go away for the evening, and and um, they choose what we do, and and we just have them them being special for that mm. for that so that night. I'm hearing here that it's not really about having a deep and meaningful. It's just about being there with them. And sometimes you yeah. say reading, Rod, just reading a book with them. Yeah. I think you watch a movie or something, don't you? Well, like they choose what they want to do. Yeah. So sometimes they might choose a board game. Sometimes they might choose choose to, to chat obviously the younger ones like movies so they usually choose a movie but we usually try and just have a little bit of a chat first and then mm-hmm. and then we do what they want to do so. so it's more that you're there for them yeah, yeah showing them that they're important as an individual because you can get lost in a big family mm-hmm. you know and they've all got these different emotions and different fears and things going on and it can, they can just get they can just get lost mm-hmm. so and now, of course, the other issue that crops up, and the people who listen to this may have a question about this, the big concern is if the children are in the home all the time, that's seen as a deficit. They're actually missing out on the stimulus input of the broader range of other families with different ways of doing things and kids with different attitudes and all that sort of stuff. But what I hear you saying is that when it's well managed within the homeschooling home, that the children are actually getting a much, much richer input from their parents than the average kid would be expecting to get from from their home. Mm -hmm. 
and that that probably changes the, the whole shape of their relationship with the family. Yeah. I see you nodding your heads. That doesn't come out very loudly on, <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> certainly agree, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, we found homeschooling and having uh, much more time with the children to be very beneficial family-wise. Um, you really get to know your children, you know what influences they're exposed to, and so you can have a much deeper relationship then. Mm. So a young buck rocks up and says, hey, I'm going to get married, and you take one look and you realise you're about as ill-prepared as I was uh, for marriage. (laughs) What would you be wanting to encourage them to do? How would you help steer somebody who's, who's at the point of getting married and probably, you know, wet behind the ears and ignorant about what they're in for, what in the world would you suggest to them to try and save them some of the mess they might be about to step into? That's a big question. Um, I guess yeah, the mentor that we talked about before, finding someone that you can talk to the, about these issues and even, f- once again, finding out the stuff that you really didn't know you knew you needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so an older, an older guy that's married, whatever, um, or even had his kids go through and he's, he's now married them off, this just you can't replace years of, of, of wisdom mm. that have been given to someone um, because they've gone through the circumstances and you can tap into that um, whether it be your own father or, or your bride-to-be's father um, I would particularly say to the young man really get to know your parents-in-law mm. and and the siblings of that of your wife or your, your wife-to-be uh, that's that's pure gold. You can get to know them and see how they're responding to your wife to be. Um, There's a lot different. in that. There is a lot in mm-hmm. that, yeah. I reckon, Mansell, you'd be recommending a course. I mean, you talk about the marriage <laughs> course being good for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm probably one who likes um, you know, video courses and books and things like that. So I'd, I'd you know, give uh, a young man probably some of the books that helped me and, and, and go through some of the courses you know, with him uh, if he was you know, interested in one of my daughters or something like that, go through and just raise you some want, of the issues. You want to take my daughter out? <laughs> well, it would be something like that, I think, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's so important and, uh, you know, I'd be doing it, I'd be doing it you know, in a positive way to you know, really help, help him, whether you know continued or not. Um, I'm sure it would be beneficial for him throughout his life. I think one of the reasons why Guy is running the whole program, Real Men 24-7, is because he's wanting to provide resources. And I guess the, the, the question is, you can take a horse to the water, you can't always make the horse drink the water, you know. And so a lot of people will know what's good for them and still won't necessarily do anything about it. But our hope is that people will be proactive. Yeah, you, you, need, to, you, need, to, you need to search yourself and work out what you're motivated about and, and, and really ask yourself self those big questions about what's really important to you and what are you doing to make those things that are important to you turn out the way you want them to turn out, you know? We have goals for our for our careers often, but do we have goals for what we want our marriage to be like, for what we want our relationship with our kids to be like, how we want them to be, and it's not just about them uh, reliving our lives because we messed up our lives. We, we want to relive our lives through our kids. That's not what I'm talking about. But uh, sometimes we just don't stop to, to think long and, long and hard about it. I've been reading a Bear Grylls book. My son's really into Bear Grylls, so I've been reading some of his stuff. And, uh, and he, he had a parachuting accident. He was in the SAS, and he had a parachuting accident, and he broke his back in three places, and they had to quit the 
quit the army, quit the SAS, so he lost his career. They said he'd probably never walk again. And he spent some time on by, by himself and worked out what he wanted to do, what was important to him. And he decided he was going to climb Everest. Mm-hmm. And he achieved that 18 months later. Wow. You know, so when you, you kind of decide what's important to yourself. Maybe you don't want to climb Everest, but what's your Everest? What is it that you want to knock over? What is it you want to achieve? What's important to you? And, and set some goals and, and then some plans of how you're going to get there. And for most of us, most people, when they get to the end of their life, you know, we, we, uh, we, uh, we looked at this research and it said that, you know, around about 50% of people, and it's probably light on, but at least 50% of people have regrets over their relationships mm-hmm. with their friends, their families, their kids, whereas only about 20-odd percent of people regret have regrets around their career and their work and so on. So, you know, we don't want to be that guy that gets to the end of our life and realise that we missed the boat. The best time to start was yesterday, but the second best time to make some changes is today. Fantastic. I think we've got a lot of value out of this today, guys. Thank you very much for being available. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Rod and Mansell weren't quite sure what they're in for, but I think what we've <laughs> grazed over today has actually been mm. good reflections, and thank you for your input. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Well, thank Pleasure. you. Yeah. All right, so, Chris. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We just really enjoy doing the podcast. want to make sure you listen in regularly. Uh, recommend these on to your friends as well, because I think there's a lot of people, as we've talked about today, who don't know what they don't know until someone's turned the light on for them. And maybe this will help Mm. to turn the light on for some people. Yeah, absolutely. So head over to the website, www.realmen247.org. And this can be be the the starting point of the changes and the questions that we start to ask ourselves so that we we don't have those regrets when we get to Chris's age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, had to put that in. It's nearly the end of the program and you had to put that in. (laughs) All right. Everybody, it's been great being with you. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.